Episode 11 of But We Agree on Wine. I'm T. I'm Marisol. And I'm Alejandra. And we're not technically agreeing on wine today, but we're agreeing on cider, which Alejandra just learned is not beer. <laughs> Damn, dude. She really wasn't playing. <laughs> so today we're all drinking cider, and we have a special guest, Irene. <laughs> Irene, um, would you like to introduce yourself properly and what you do? Uh, so my name is Irene, and I am a medical social worker at a hospital, and I'm assigned to the neonatal ICU. Which is? The intensive care unit. For? For babies. Newborn. <laughs> <laughs> for the babies. Um, the reason why we have Irene is because she's a badass. Not only does she do... Is she a social worker at a hospital, but she also has two wonderful kids, and I guess she has a significant other that's there. <laughs> kind of helps, <laughs> kind of helps oh, out. Wow. He kind of helps out, right? <laughs> he helps out <laughs> a little bit, but she all around, like, she's a pretty dope-ass person, and we wanted to give you guys a glimpse into her dope-ass, well, not necessarily dope-ass, but you're pretty dope. So just wanted to make sure people know about you and what you, um, for the, this whole Women's History Month. Um, Women's Empowerment, Women's Empowerment <laughs> Month, according to Money Soul last, last Actually, week. Actually, History Month. <laughs> That's okay. And it is Social Work Month, by the way. It's it's so true. Oh, oh, damn. Killing double. two birds with one stone. Let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Last week was School Social Work Month. Mm-hmm. I mean, week, sorry. There's different weeks oh. within. Wait, is, that, is that you? I'm a yeah, school social worker. So you messed up. Why did I mess up? Because you didn't celebrate her. <laughs> <laughs> we were having some rough weeks last couple of weeks. So we've been yeah, having I some know. rough couple of weeks. Not with each other, but just at work. work. It's just been mm. freaking nuts. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot of these things have just kind of like gone over our heads. But I also didn't tell you. You also did, But I should probably know this if I'm dating. Yeah, right? Does, does dating Hector, a social worker. Does Hector know this? Hector? Should we give you a call real <sighs> he quick? He probably doesn't. Sorry. <laughs> he's the better now? He's, he's just stuck on Trump's nuts. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> She's out laughing. I don't support Trump, but you he did all this for us. <laughs> Is that what he says? Yes. <laughs> yes. I <have> say. <laughs> but Irene, do you want to tell us um a little bit about what you do? Uh yes. So in a nutshell, basically I follow families who are in the situation of having either a premature child or a child who is sick, so anyone who has a trauma after birth and requires higher level of care, I am there to support them through that journey. It's not easy because not everything... I mean, when you think about childbirth, it's supposed to be the happiest moment of your life, but when you have your child who is taken away from you to be taken to another area in the hospital, it's completely traumatic. So we are there not only to provide the emotional support, also some... Other logistical things like helping them with disability, time off from work, paperwork, so all of that kind of stuff. So basically, I do everything that is non-medical, and that's pretty much just a Jesus. simple little glimpse. That's simple, but man, you said a lot. I feel like you like you're the kind of person that 
I mean, you obviously support them, right? But you just make their life so much easier by allowing, like, helping them get all this done. Support, obviously. But. Yeah, you may think it's something small, like, oh, I helped you fill out a paper, a piece of paper, or some application. But in those moments of stress, people can't think. Mm-hmm. You have the mommy brain stuff going on, the stress of thinking about your child, you're recovering. Maybe you had a bad delivery, a C-section, a surgery, and so those little itty bitty t- things can make a huge impact with mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And sometimes they don't realize it, but it's okay. We're there to help, and it's very rewarding work. Yeah. Do you, um, I know this is kind of, not, it's awesome that you do that, but do you deal with um, any, like, addicts? Yes, we do. How, I have saw a documentary years ago, I can't even remember it properly, but I just remember a piece of it about babies being born with addiction and how, like, they come up with the shakes and, how the moms like just like the moms how they deal with that and how they don't deal with that and kind of the effects that the kids have afterwards you say you don't deal with the medical aspect of it but you deal with well uh navigating people who have addiction we have to remember that it's something that is beyond them their control there is a responsibility right you can't they're not completely blameless when you are ingesting or using drugs that you know harm your child but you know I'm there to support them, and if they're doing well, like the parents regarding coping and knowing the resources, and that means the baby's going to do well in the future. So you kind of have to set aside all your biases. Yeah. You know, and know that you're there to help the child. So, yeah, maybe I don't like this mom who's not coming enough to NICU, who's prioritizing other issues in her life versus coming in to see her baby and holding her baby. And remember, people who are substance users have multiple issues. Yeah. There's economic issues, there's family dynamics. Mental There's issues. probably mental health issues, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, lots of things. So there's a mix. Usually there's not just one thing of addiction. So... I just focus on the baby. Yeah, at that the point, right? The babies are so cute. And I was like, okay, if I help the mom with this, it's going to help the baby. Is so, it? Does it ever get hard? Like you being a mother? It's with harder now things? having children yeah. when you see this because you go, how do you reasonably, how do you bargain with yourself and say, oh, what I'm doing is, ah, it's all right, it's all right. Everything's going to be okay. So I, I had a mom who had many children and every child was taken away from CPS, oh by CPS. God. And so she was having another baby, and I said, oh, I met her seven years ago, and she's still having babies, and they're all being taken away. I wonder if this one's going to be taken away. This one wasn't, which is, it's great for the baby, but at the same time, I hope that this is her transition to getting out of that life. After how many babies do you think? Nine. Oh, that's so, rough. Tiana's crazy. That's um, So... You help the mom or the parents, and then they go home, but the baby stays in the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. How long do the kids or the baby stay in the hospital for? Kids can stay from a few days to a few months. Oh, regardless. Like, so okay. remember, some babies who are premature, so it's a level three NICU, meaning that we have a higher level of care than other NICUs. Oh. So we get babies from Watsonville, Hollister, Modesto, Redwood City, mm. um, and... The kid, the earliest baby that we can have in NICU, who technically is what's considered viable, is after 23 weeks, which is like just over the half point of a pregnancy. So it's about five and a half months. Oh my God. Whoa. So those babies, if you think about it, okay, if 
baby's born at 23 weeks, you have to wait till 40 weeks because 40 weeks is a full term. term baby. So that baby has to be here for to at least 40 weeks. But a baby born at 23 weeks is going to have a lot of complications. Mm-hmm. So each week that a baby is born early pretty much puts you at risk for different issues. So yeah, our 23-weekers stay for three, four months. How, how what's the, like, if you were able to put a percentage on that, how many of them, like, come out successful without uh, any, any, like, post-complications? Not a single one comes out without a complication. Oh, my God. So every single one has some sort of, because remember, the NICU does a lot of things to a baby, which can be seen as harmful, but because the outcome is to help them survive. So we're doing, like, respiratory support. Well, if you give a baby too much respiratory, support for a long term it's going to affect their eye their visions so a lot of these kids need glasses they lose their vision okay so then developmentally it all this stuff babies that are born really early can sometimes have brain bleeds because they're so fragile the brain is like a like a flan like a jello oh man and they can have bleeds all that can lead to developmental delay their hearing everything so remember everything is not fully developed Mm -hmm the way that it was supposed to be in the belly. So when you bring them out to the world, everything external is essentially like a harm. And then at the same time, maybe they didn't just reach their lungs. A lot of them have chronic lung disease. So they're going to be more susceptible to get colds, flus, RSV, and other viruses. Jeez. So then you're like, oh, man, it's going to be a rough road. Mm-hmm. My, kid. Bro- my brother was a premature pilon. Mm. Uh, he was on here a couple episodes ago. He's the mm-hmm. asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a chronic cheater. <laughs> Besides oh the point, God. I mean, he was. <laughs> he doesn't have chronic lung disease, but he's a chronic cheater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Uh, well, he was a he was a premature baby, and he was born with a heart murmur. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's actually one of the more like common things in babies: the heart murmur because a valve that is supposed to stay open when they're inside the womb, stays open when they come out, and it's only with growth that it closes. Oh. So it's very, it's called a PDA. Yeah, but it's, I, it's nothing too serious, I'm sure. No, I, don't, I don't think this is a premature kid only, right? Because I used to have a heart murmur too, and I was oh, yeah, premature. I think you can be born some, with that, right? Some full-term kids can yeah. have that stuff too. Yeah, and only in extreme situations they have to do a surgery, but those are very few. Very few. Have you ever had kids come back and visit you? Yes. And how does that it's feel? The best. Yeah. It's because you see them in this stage in this very harsh environment with lots of tubes and when you see them grow up I'm like, Oh my gosh. So how do they come back and visit you? So like, they come to the NICU to visit the physicians, the nurses okay. and sometimes they're like if I have relationships with some some of them still, like, you know, by text, not like with friends outside, but you know you have to have boundaries, <laughs> yeah. HIPAA, all that stuff. But HIPAA. you, you just, you know, some of them still call me. I got a call not too long ago from a family who had been there maybe I think it's gonna be like six years, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And oh, we're great. And you know, some question about social security, <laughs> and it's great to hear from them. And I'm like, well, send me a picture of your son, you know, because I have an iPhone at work and. It was great. It's always lovely to see the kids succeed and be out of this phase that's such a harsh environment. Sheesh. Wait, for reference, how long have you been uh, working in this field? So in the NICU, I believe it's going to be eight years, but at in social work, it's going to be, I think, close to 14, 15 years. Jeez. Since 2006. Mm. 
See, I, I like cool. that. I like that we brought you because you're obviously extremely experienced, but at the same time, like you're not like when it's like some of the old farts that just can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like old school. Yeah, we're not... new school. That's what they call us, new school. So we have so, social workers in the department that have been doing it for thirty years, and they're like, "Oh, Irene, you just know all this stuff. I don't know about this stuff." And you know, we're talking about resources, computers. So we're moving towards a lot of technology. Um, you know, especially with COVID right now, telehealth and doing everything over the phone. You know, I kind of helped in the support group. All of that fell apart with COVID. So, yeah, they're like, oh, you know all this stuff about now Zoom and Teams and doing <laughs> online meetings. I'm like, eh. oh, no, man, I guess I just know Let stuff. me help you. Let me just help you. <laughs> click yeah. click yeah. into it. I can't see myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, turn your camera on, Barbara. <laughs> 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 the little button on the right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that, that's cool. I like when we're able to relate to um, – I feel like also, speaking of relating um, – being a Latina in this field, I'm sure, is super helpful too, right? Because mm. yes, there are yeah. people who, like we said, we have more people coming from Watsonville, and most of those people are like Spanish speaking. I've had farm workers come through, and having to be able to connect with families who are Spanish speaking, monolingual, connecting the resources, and making sure that the, you know they are well connected to the team. Because if you don't speak English, it's hard to have a voice sometimes. Mm -hmm. And not just for Spanish speaking. I'm talking about I had a Vietnamese family. The doctors would pass by. Oh, mom's doing great. Everything's fine. Her kid had been there already for four months. Oh, my God. And the week before she had to go home, the child had some special feeding requirements. And the mom's like, oh, that tube is coming out, right? And I said, no, 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 it's not. So let me get the interpreter. So we have an iPad that we click, and it has 200 different languages. Boom, click, boom, we communicate. Easy peasy. I said, how come this mom didn't know that her child was going home like this? Oh. Because we were just saying, oh, look, she's smiling. She's there at bedside. Everything's fine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to use the iPad to really know and ask her questions. You can't just say, oh, she's smiling, and she's saying hi, and walk away. Yeah. She, mom has no questions. Like, you sometimes have to pry. Yeah. People don't know what they don't know. They can't ask questions about things that they don't know. And if they're monolingual speaking in another language, so you have to advocate for everybody. But the Latino community, that's like my, that's my soft spot. Yeah. Those patients. It hits home. Those patients, uh, they have so many questions. They need so much support. Do you think it'd be different if you weren't? Obviously, right? It would be very different. But do you like? Have you seen some kind of difference if somebody comes up like a social worker that doesn't speak any Spanish? Yeah. Like, do you see like kind of like comfort, like kind of or the yeah, walls kind of like? Yeah, parent people are more comfortable with you when they know that you can relate to them, right? right. So they know, oh, you speak Spanish. Oh, do you know about this and that? And you know, my I'm one in. My department, maybe one in two, three that speak Spanish. And it's a department of like 30 people. Yeah. So I tend to get a lot of Spanish-speaking people. But everyone else in the adult units, good luck. Yeah. Good luck because I'm not, I can't help everybody. Yeah. I, going back to that, I think I remember um, I was over at your house for a bit uh, chatting up with my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> or girlfriend, whatever. Um, he, and he, uh, we, like, you came by, and then we, like, started having this conversation about how Taylor, um, with her students, like, uh, I think it goes back to one of our episodes where uh, 
the Latino parents are receiving all these newsletters that are Google translated. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, well, yeah, at the hospital, I'm basically the only one that's able to translate. They use Google Translate on these all these crazy, like... Complicated in, documents, in instructions, complicated, exact, instructions, instructions of, on... Here's how to take care of your baby to, to make sure that your baby alive. doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's like, oh, can you just translate this stuff? Is it... You know, I could tell these parents all this stuff in Spanish, but once you get out of here, you're going to be overwhelmed, sleep deprived. You're not going to remember all these details. So this needs to be in writing in Spanish. Why is it not in Spanish? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I've translated documents. But then you for have the to. You have, that's freaking nuts, first for of all. For the physicians. And then you have to translate it at a level, which we've talked about before, yes. too. You have to translate fifth it at grade a level. level. Fifth, fifth, there grade you go, level. Fifth, fifth grade level. Mm-hmm. Because. Most of these people, I feel like, aren't as That's educated. a standard when you uh, translate documents to make sure that everybody can kind of understand a document. Uh, so it's not like a... Just Latinos. Th- it's not like, oh, we think that they're pretty dumb, so we just got to do a fifth grade. It's no, 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 documents. And I think this goes across the board for even flyers in general. They have to be fifth grade level, whatever language that they're in. Yeah. So you do a lot of the translating, at, or like you feel like you yes, have to. Unofficially. Unofficially. <laughs> That's so crazy. Because we also have a department that's supposed to do all this, but, you know, going through, like, compliance and following all the rules can sometimes take a long time. And by so the time it, and that's something translate it? Mm-hmm. So I have to issue it to another department to do it at the fifth grade level. Mm. It has to, you know, go through compliance because, remember, hospitals have a lot of rules, regulations, Jayco. Save their own ass, huh? To make sure that we're giving information that's correct, accurate, and in the proper like level. So if you just translate it without going through the department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we don't know oh, where she works. Yeah. <laughs> no, I no, mean. And but... it's certain documents. I mean, it's, it's basic. It's nothing complicated. I mean, well, discharge instructions can be complicated. But no, it's a lot of the safety stuff, right? generic safety things that you have to and appointments people need to know when they have an appointment that's not rocket science so me translating when you have an appointment it's important you need to know but do you think this happens like to like every hospital yep i'm sure it does why do you think it's reached that just because of the protocols and all the rules that people have to follow to translate properly or um Um, or why do you think it's like we as advanced as we are to where we can make a vaccine like make a vaccine in a year like why can't we figure out how to translate things properly that's a good question i think it's bureaucracy there's a lot of red tape and things that you have to jump through in any like organization whether it be hospitals or schools Mm -hmm. i mean we it's probably the same issue at schools yeah i mean we've this year we supposedly no longer use google translate and we actually have (laughs) hired hired interpreters um Mm. to like translate documents like officially and whatnot but like ieps take like three months to translate because it's Uh, so complicated that delays Mm -hmm. care Mm -hmm. that delays follow-up yeah because parents have to obviously understand and read and sign before anything can be put in place like Mm -hmm. services and that puts a hold on whether you know in comparison to english-speaking parents who can just sign right then and there but we have to translate everything for our Spanish-speaking families. And that's our issue, too. Time. Yeah. Yeah, I can issue this document that I want you to translate, but it's going to take months to get mm-hmm. it back, and it's going to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Why does it cost but, so much money? Because you're paying for anything that has to be circulated and branded from an organization. It's going to cost you money. 
So, so it's not an it's not an internal team. It thing. is, but you, so each department has to pay for certain things. So mm-hmm. like my department has to pay to get those documents, those flyers. Oh, you want those pretty flyers? Oh, it's gonna cost you da 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 for each oh, flyer. That's interesting. Do you also so think because you know you have to go through that long process of translating documents, and then instead of doing that long process, you just do the shortcut that you guys don't get the resources because they're like, oh, well, they don't come to us that often, so I guess they don't need the resources. Yeah, that happens too, where people don't know what to ask, they don't know what resources are needed, and so then there's no real effort to find where the issue is. And the other thing too is physicians have a lot of power in the hospital. I think if a physician said, we need this document translated, they would do it, like quickly. Mm. So I've gotten very comfortable with all the physicians, they know me, and when I need something, I just have to like rally them, be like, hey, there's this problem, can you help me with this problem? Because physicians have power. Yeah. at the hospital it's a matter of me rallying them and taking the time to push like discharge instructions that is so crazy instructions. that you have to work so hard to get like simple instructions well you can say that the hospital if there's no need why are we going to do that why are we going to do extra work if there's no real need they're not checking the needs though they're not checking with the people who are doing the work mm. but that happens everywhere going back mm-hmm. to um how having kids is it has changed i kind of like or affected your view on like your job has it has it yeah how so how so is it does it take does it kind of put you in like a darker space when you're dealing with certain situations wait how old are your kids oh my uh son is four years old abel and my daughter is two gracie okay oh grace so grace crazy gracie (laughs) (laughs) my wild kitten um so yeah no having children really changes your perspective on your work and I've always found that I can relate to people because we all know what pain feel like feels like we all know what stress feels like and so it's it was you know I felt like I could relate to people but now that I have kids it's just a whole nother level because you really see why people panic you really see why people are stressed and I can relate in that sense of a parent, the parent kind of view. And, you know, when I was pregnant, it's very bizarre walking around and being, okay, my belly is 32 weeks. That's what my baby would look like. And look at a live baby. Oh, That's God. 32 weeks. That's, kind of That's freaking nuts. <laughs> or the parents asking, oh, how far along are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, this many weeks. Oh, my baby was born at that age. And so, and then be like, oh, okay. Or, or how about like, um, or when you deal with uh, women who had who have had miscarriages yeah, or losses, and while you're pregnant, does that is that kind of like does that put you in like so, does that give you that guilt? So my coworkers and I, yes, we had these rules amongst ourselves that if we were pregnant and there was a loss, we would cover each other. Like, that's so dope. Like you're pregnant, you're not gonna go see that mom because that's added stress mm-hmm. for you and then also for the patient yeah. mm-hmm. to be seeing oh look at you you're pregnant what the hell are you doing here you know mm, okay. so we would kind of cover each other and be like no we actually had a coworker who lost a baby at our hospital and that was it shook our department and so and it shook all of us so we had my coworker who lost her baby who was really far along. Ooh, how far are you able to 36 say? 36 weeks. Ooh. So that baby could have been born and could have been fine because after 35 weeks, your baby can go home with you. So that really shook us. So that's hard. That's the dark side of the work. The darkest. The well, I want to hear about side. the darkest the darkest story you have. Uh, 
I I don't know that I have like a specific. They're pretty shitty, huh? It's just you cluster them all in. Um, but having seeing someone lose a baby. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about one that I that was more recent, only because uh, I watch a lot of Disney movies with my kids, and so I don't. That's know a good way guys, to stay positive. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Soul. Yes, no. it's so good. It is? Yes. What is it about? It's about death. And <laughs> it's about death. It's about death. And your soul. You know, if you believe in souls and spirits and all that stuff. So it's about souls. And there was a mom who had lost her baby unexpectedly after already being in the NICU and everything seemed fine. And then all of a sudden, baby got really sick and passed. And so I was there with the family helping them through paperwork because the nurse refused even though it's a nursing room, and she just was very uncomfortable. I think it, it, you, we have to remember that nurses are human too, mm-hmm. and this was very hard for that nurse. And so I was there like, okay, I'll run through the paperwork, make sure everything gets squared away so they don't have to come back and sign something because we missed a signature. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that, and as we're doing that, um, we have these special kits where we have like a little mold for hands, feet, a little bag for like a piece of hair and like a condolence card and all this other stuff. That's so I'm going, that's really cute. So I'm going through each item and I tell the mom, "Do you want to do a molding of your baby?" And she's like, "Yes." And so she's doing it. And then she's doing all that. I'm looking at the paperwork and then she just starts this cry. But the cry is this very deep and sudden cry that mm. wasn't like a ah, oh, it was more like a and you, remind you, um, oh, you guys don't know how it looks inside of the hospital, but in the NICU, it's an open pod, meaning that there are six incubators kind of in a row with maybe 12 feet in between. Mm. So we don't have doors. It's not individual rooms. And so there's only curtains dividing this mom from other moms. So I'm thinking, oh, she's trying to hold in her cry because she doesn't want other people to hear. And so then I know that the neighbor saw and I'm like, oh, then I have to go see how she's doing. But the mom's cry was so like sad and, and I was just like, damn. And then I watched this movie Soul. And then there's this part of the movie where the main character gets lost in this sort of like limbo purgatory area and there's these creatures that are crying like I thought of that lady and I said wow this movie really captured pain because that was a deep painful cry and so that was my most recent like and it gives me the chills I'm like that's the chills because I remember the mom and you know losing a child is like it's a nightmare it's a nightmare. So that is the dark side of social work. But, you know, we're there to put on a, a strong face and answer other questions. And that, too, some parents don't know what to ask because they've never dealt with making arrangements for a person who's died. And so we have to ask some of those morbid questions. So what do you want to do with your baby? Do you want to cremate? Do you want to bury? Because I have information. And so if you know we don't have to discuss any of this right now, here's my card. We can talk about it later. So I have a list of things that I need to go through with parents that are, it's not very happy conversation. How do you separate that? Like, 
like going like how do you end your day like after having a day like that how do you end your day and keep all that stuff in the hospital and then come home and to like two beautiful kids and a somewhat beautiful man (laughs) (laughs) i mean you go home and you're like oh you just hug your kids and you say oh thank you that my children are healthy and that we're together but it's it's hard it starts weighing on you especially now that like like i said and I also sometimes cover the pediatric unit. Stuff happens to kids all the time mm-hmm. at all ages. So then I go, okay, we we pass that first stage of the babies, but then there's still like the rest of their lives that I worry about. Does it give you like a newfound appreciation? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's always been there. Like I'm thankful, but I feel like I'm I have a lot of anxiety due to my job. I have a lot of anxiety about stuff irrational anxiety sometimes i feel like it's fair though man like you just deal with so yeah because you see ugly things but on a daily basis but you gotta keep it on check and sometimes it spews over you know in other ways that are not so healthy so then we gotta do all the self-care stuff all that cheesy things Mm -hmm. that they tell us to do at work (laughs) self-care like all right i'm gonna go drink some cider do you feel like um do you see yourself working in that unit for very long or do you feel like eventually you so rather I, do something uh, easier i guess i mean it wouldn't be fun if it was easy <laughs> but at true. the same time uh, i started off in a working with adults and I was lucky enough to transition into pediatrics to cover someone who was going on maternity leave. Once I f- was in that kid world, I said, I'm never going back to adults. Because adults suck. Adults, <laughs> I mean, I feel so bad for all the old people. It's just that the resources and the needs of the elderly people are just mm. so much difficult to navigate than it is for children. And then remember, a hospital is a business. A hospital doesn't want a patient to stay for many days in the adult world because of costs. But in the children's side, I mean, a preemie baby has to stay in the hospital and nobody questions how long a baby's in the hospital because it's... It's a baby. It's a baby. Mm-hmm. So we don't have those pressures and all those other things. And like I said, resources are very scarce for elderly people. So, nah, I think... Is it because I think almost... I found my niche. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, you know what? Maybe. No, it's true. Maybe. I mean, dude, as much as Maybe. we, like, don't want to think that way, I feel like it's just like, well, man, I'm going to get out of here anyway. Like, it's like, it's just a t- matter of time, right? And then with kids, it's like, what? It's hot. It's starting. And then no. the kids are just starting. Oh, I mean, it's just very different. Yeah. And so I felt like kids was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my niche. This is my thing. Yeah. So you like legitimately enjoy what you do considering yes. the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. Dark side all, all doesn't always happen, but there's more happy than sad. Yeah. Because remember, most of these kids go home with their families. They grow. They succeed. And it's great to see them again and see them grown three, four, five, six years old. And that makes up for all the bad. Yeah. 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 It's not all bad. I had a, um, going back to like that one story that you said about the mom having nine kids and, um, we're not talking about Angela. (laughs) My mom has nine kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hit it right on the spot. Yeah, she hit the ball. She she raises to be pretty decent human beings. (laughs) 
there was a I, this is gonna say I don't know how um what do you think about like people that are like that I do you believe do you or do, all of you guys I guess it's a question for everybody um how do we feel about kind of like performing something that kind of keeps them from having babies if they have so much of this repeated uh, you know what I mean I, how would I even put that question into that, action like um, into I mean, sterilization. Yeah, I was just going to say that's the word, but it has a lot of connotations along yeah. with that. Like, so... Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Like, I know you guys have to be, put a little bit more of a safety blanket no, on I what mean, you say, but... People have, you know, the, the right to make their own decisions. And in social work, we always say, especially in the hospital, and this is across the board with adults and children, like, people have the right, especially when it comes, like, I'm going to take it back to death again, when we have elderly people who don't want interventions Mm -hmm. and we feel like, no, 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 we can do all this stuff and keep you alive. Why would you not be alive? Mm -hmm. People have their own self-autonomy, self-determination. They have to be able to make their own decisions. And unfortunately, that applies with substance abuse and everything. And all we can do is discuss harm reduction you know, and try to support them as much as we can so the children succeed. But ultimately, I mean, I think that mom that had the nine kids, I think she said, oh, no, Irene, I'm tying my tube this time. I said, good for you. Did you? I said, you, I said good for you. I said, you know, because I had that relationship with her. But otherwise... After number nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do they ever, uh, for example, they see it two, three times already... Do they ever offer them, like, oh, you know, you can try, like, other options? Uh, they always offer. So every single person, I remember after each of my kids, all right, so what kind of birth control are you going to use? I'm like, whoa, mm. I just had the baby. <laughs> I don't enjoy know, this man. Really? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not even going to do anything. I, I know. I can't even have sex you, for, like, you three can't, months. You can't even <laughs> touch that area down there. Like, what? No, you know, we got to get you started on, you know. What really? Do you, you want to do that right after you give birth? Every single mom That's gets asked if wow. what kind of birth control plan are you going to have moving forward? Hmm. Um, because there's risk factors associated to having children too fast mm-hmm. after your body heals. Yeah. And so for some of the moms who have preemies, they have preemies because they also have their own medical issues. So like this mom was having hypertension, blood pressure issues, preeclampsia. So a doctor can say, you know what? It's not recommended that you have more children because of your risk right. factors, your medical risk factors, like people who have diabetes. Um, so they can take that angle. But as far as I know, I don't think anybody really says, hey, you know, you got to stop having kids. It's just not that bloody. Even after they take all her kids away. like So we can't That's place so any judgments. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. And remember, these physicians don't know that history. They're there. They see a woman. They're delivering her. They have no idea until after we talk to them, we find all the, all the cheese, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, wow. And But even then, they, I think it, it you get into sticky situations about controlling people. Yeah. And, it's just um, I think it's um, I've seen plenty of instances I work in San Francisco a whole lot and then um, I was in Hawaii early last year around the same time um, and I like we were outside the supermarket right and there's this lady who's like stick skinny clearly clearly a drug addict holding a 40 like in like in her hand and she, this, swear to god this girl was like eight months pregnant oh, huge yeah. belly that's the only thing you could wow. see on this girl and she was smoking a cigarette and drinking a 40 and I was I like looked at her and I was like it made my heart like my heart literally like so sad it put me in such a dark place because I'm just like 
yo, like you probably did that to get like a like a quarter of crack, right? Like a little baggie of crack and now this baby, like you're still doing drugs, you're still eating. Like that baby is gonna be born like without, like what are you doing? I just didn't understand. And I've, it's not the first time I've seen it. I've seen it like down the street where a lady's hella pregnant, smoking a, like a cigarette right before she goes and eats some tacos, you know? Like it's, it's so crazy to me that like the kid being born, like all these tubes coming in and out of their mouths and in and out of their bodies and like the moms like not necessarily having like the mental capacity to understand like you know i just i just don't understand that and it's just like dude like i wish i could just tie your tubes myself you know but obviously i can't right we can't, we just, can't save everybody you can't save yeah can't but that sucks everybody. because then those these kids are the ones that end up going into the system but and then we can't get, get into that kind of world. Then we would be living in communist China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can't have this, this, and that. And would you want someone to control whether you're a fit person to have a child? Would you want anyone to ask you questions about, let me see how much money you make. And let's make it about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Not just substance. Mm-hmm. Are you mentally stable to have children? Do you have enough money to raise children? If you don't, then you can't have kids. Imagine if we get to those points of controlling people and who's a fit parent and who's not. It gets too sticky. Yeah. I understand that. It gets too sticky. Yeah. But the thoughts do run through our minds like, what is she doing? Yeah. You know, but we can't control people. Mm-hmm. And remember, substance abuse issues really disconnect people from their bodies when they're yeah. pregnant. I just feel like they're not even, they're not even connected. It. They're not even connected. It just, I guess it just makes me sad to just think about how this, how this kid is going to suffer. Not just when he's born, right? For but the how, rest of their, for the rest of their yeah, lives. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I've worked with kids that have, you know, have, were born, but, um, you know, with fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. And kids are born addicted to meth. Um, and things like that and just working and mm-hmm. seeing them in middle school and all the struggles and learning disabilities and challenges that they experience because of something that wasn't even under their control then it was like yeah so that's where it gets me too is just seeing all the things that they have to deal with because of choices someone else made you can even come up with something that's like reversible like okay while you're like a drug addict maybe not you know but then if you're recovering baby i don't know i guess yeah you're right the whole controlling thing it's fair because even if it is like the like you switch it over to money like there's there's people that can be a great parent without necessarily having that Mm -hmm. part of it yeah have you seen the handmaid handmaid's tale no No. she refuses to watch it it was boring it was kind of slow (laughs) Dude, no, it's interesting. You need to it, watch it. It gets into that topic. It's so of, good. Uh, it's the, a movie. No, show. no, it's a Hulu. show. On Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it's not about drugs. It's basically no. like end of times kind Dystopia. of feel, and you know, women can no longer have babies. Like mm-hmm. there's some kind of infertility infertility issue in the whole world, mm-hmm. and so you have these women who are fertile. So then the rich people basically corral them and turn them into like cattle, mm-hmm. and these rich people were forcing them to have their babies, mm-hmm. and so then you get into all this weird stuff, you mm-hmm. know. But it's just you can't get into controlling people, and yeah. too much control just gets can get scary. Everything that has the possibility of being corrupted when it comes to power will will wiggle its way through yeah someone will make something that sounds good or for a good cause and turn it around and the fine find, print and find something yeah. twisted around so it's scary when you control people no that's fair yeah. i totally understand that it's just i get yeah like i said it's just probably is just there a little pill? Like that. is there a little pill that we can give her you know? <laughs> 
See, that just sounds wrong. See, but it's just a thought. Yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right. I totally understand where you're coming from, but I think it's just like at the time, like you see it and you're just like, fuck, dude. Like, it brings up a lot of emotions. Oh, hell yeah. Any to anybody, I'm sure if you guys would have seen what I saw in Hawaii, you'd be like, holy, like, I'm sure you see it all the time, you know, but you just like look at it and you're like, holy fuck, dude. Like, do you like not think? But obviously, you're right, they're completely disconnected. Yeah, and in the hospital, navigating other people's emotions about that person. So you're talking about nurses, doctors Mm -hmm. who are making comments. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you guys, like, we have to focus on the baby. So I have to remind staff to to keep their biases Mm -hmm. to themselves because, yes, they're right. There's a lot of things that could have been differently, Mm -hmm. but... There we can't change. We can't change yeah. what happened. The baby's here. The baby needs their mom. What are they? What is it? Tea? Like mm-hmm. you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't yep. do that. Damage is done. You just work with what you got. Work with what you got. And you know, there's been uh, physicians who uh, have wanted to convince and wanted me to interpret for a Spanish-speaking mom that because she looked too immature that she should withdraw care from her baby because the baby's going to be disabled and this girl's immature, so we should just withdraw. You know, we should convince her to do comfort care because that'll be better for the baby. What's comfort care? Comfort care is when we offer the uh, option to a family to take off all the tubing and let the baby pass naturally. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So I was I got to the point where we were having meetings every day with this family and I said I'm not interpreting anymore. We are trying to convince this mom to withdraw care when she has repeatedly said she wants everything done. And we cannot base our own judgments mm-hmm. and opinions to try to push that agenda on her. Yeah. How old was this uh, mom? She was young, but not mm-hmm. that young. Mm-hmm. She was an adult, so. But then you get instances where, like, I think it was like a few years ago, where there was a mom with her deaf son and and couldn't speak. Well, deaf, right? Um, but she was like dragging him along uh, a la- a river or something, and there's oh, yeah. literally camera footage of this. She Texas, gra- yeah, um, Florida or Texas? Most oh, likely Florida. Florida. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah, so they're going like go, uh, walking around along a river, and this lady just pushes her son oh, inside the river. Oh, it was the, the kid river. with autism. That's why yeah, yeah, yeah. He was nonverbal. Yeah, right. and then um, and the kid like I guess she like kind of timed it to where like she kind of like uh, walked in a circle, and then went to go ask for help to like give him enough time to drown. Mm. Luckily, uh, there was a security guard that had like they caught him just in time to save him, right? Um, but then, um, and catch her. It was, no, no, no. It was Florida. Yeah, of course. They were able to save the kid, but then she tried mm-hmm. it once, once more. Do the same and, thing. And do this exact same thing because the kid can't say nothing. He like yeah. he's just taking it. It was right? had severe autism. And yeah, and the second time, she succeeded and he he died. He drowned. Wait, he ended up dying. He ended up dying oh, the shit. second time around. She, she did the same but thing. But did she get clocked? Did they arrest her? Afterward, because there's literally video footage yeah. of this lady doing it, but the, the kid was dead. Well, that's the thing that in these settings, when a child is born premature and we know the risk factors and the outcomes of those kids, they could be severely disabled. Some of them might not walk, talk, hear, see. So for the Latino community, most of the families are like, I want to do everything. God brought me this child and... God will help me. 
other cultures like we have a high population of asian indian families who have other views on the soul that the soul is in the wrong body so we need to let go of that child so it comes back in another body mm. and that might be seen as harsh but to me the family has to make that decision mm-hmm. right i do not weigh in on anything i've been asked to weigh in on things from parents themselves and they go only you know what's right for your family and your child. I know that you don't know what the future holds, but you have to go with whatever you're feeling. You know, but I mean, if I were in that situation, I see too many scary things. I think I would have, I think I would know what I would do. But then once you're having a baby and you're there and you're seeing that child, remember when a baby's born, they look perfect. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't see the disabilities. Right. You see that years later. So when you see them perfect, oh, they look like a perfect baby. You don't, you're not going to make a decision about withdrawing care. I was going to say, like, what do you I mean, think you would do in that situation? I think you don't know unless you're in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say that I wouldn't want to do that because I'd be too scared of the negative outcomes. But at the same time, once I'm there, I don't know. I'd probably change my mind. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard yeah. to say. It's hard to, yeah, it's one of those things because I don't even know what I would do. Same thing with, like, Down syndrome, hard. right? Say if you found out that you were at risk for having a Down syndrome baby, what would you do? Would you proceed with the pregnancy or would you terminate the pregnancy? I think considering everything yeah. now and like the like support that is out there mm-hmm. with the Down syndrome, mm-hmm. I feel like I'd definitely, yeah. definitely keep it. That's so crazy. Scary. I know. <laughs> a lot can happen. You find out how many things could happen in a pregnancy and really how true a miracle it is. It's not just like a saying, oh, babies are a miracle. No, it really is. Your body goes through some crazy things to make another little copy of you and your That's partner. Um, I have a question. This is going to kind of... Okay, it's a stupid question, but... Um, I, how bad are C-sections? Because um, I don't know if you've had one, but... Uh, I don't want my vagina to get weird. <laughs> the vagina is a muscle. The vagina will get back to its normal no, state. I, agree, I, I understand that, but like the whole, like when they say that they rip, like I've heard some somebody get ripped yes. like fucking like that, six inches. It happens like more often than finger. not though. Yeah. Oh my that's God. Like a I, typical... I feel like it's so painful. Dude, it's like if you, I think that's you it, get like the cut and then it. you just get stitches. They do it right then and there. I think they fix it, patch you up yeah. right then and there. They do. do you think it ever rips enough to get to your butt? Yes, it does. It that's does. A, that's, that's a the whole thing. That's, that's a stage, stage four laceration. Yeah. So it's from one <laughs> oh, to four. Shit. Four means it went all the way. Yeah. Oh my really god, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that much space. Yeah, it's like it's not that much space. And is that depending on you, or is that depending on the size of the baby? I think it's a lot of factors. Yeah. It could be anatomically your body is a certain shape or whatever, but also the size of the baby. Yeah. The intensity of the labor, but see, that sounds like I sound really immature. I feel like, but I feel like this is a, a lot of things that people. <laughs> are, I've never had a baby like, before. No, I don't. I feel like the, this is a question. Like nobody knows this until you have a baby, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> like I just saw a post uh, from a mom saying, uh, "Gosh, I don't want to misquote it, but basically, I'm just gonna summarize it. You don't know true pain until you take that first poop after you have a baby." <gasps> oh my I god, I can't imagine know. what that's like. I felt like I was going to die. Oh I felt God. like I was having another baby. I was in the bathroom holding onto the seat for dear life and crying. 
pain because I'm like, I don't know why I'm in so much pain. Hector. He's like, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. It just Come wipe my butt. No. It was like this constant patient and this pain and you felt like you're having a baby again. Oh my gosh. And I was like, nobody told me this. Why didn't anybody prepare me for this? Was that after the first one? Yeah. yeah. It didn't happen with Gracie, thank goodness, but I was ready for it. I was like, all right, all right. The first poop's going to be the worst. Oh, right. we made it so there's a lot of things oh, that I'm telling you with your body like oh yeah That's once you I'm have saying. a baby you're like oh see like you hear all these things and like, you, like it just puts things into perspective right like I feel like these are all questions that people like are too scared to ask sometimes because like, I didn't even know it could rip so far up to your, like literally so far up your ass, right? Like, I didn't or know like that. You, or like you've been saying, you don't know these things, so you don't know to ask these questions. Like you don't know how to. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't know thought? what you don't know. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it, huh? That's so crazy. But a C-section can be very painful. See, like that's and it thing. can be very. Um, so I had a friend who had a C-section and, you know, because you're in so much pain after the C-section, it just makes it hard for you to, to do the regular care things for your baby. And I think it's hard to bond with the baby when you're in so much pain. Mm. So remember, you're like trying to breastfeed a baby if that's what you want to do or bottle feed, get up, hold a baby, twist up and down. And when you have surgery... I think like at the beginning, those initial moments, you're so focused on your own pain. To even try to bond, huh? Yeah, so it's, I don't know, C-section, but some women do great and they're like up and walking, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, it's it's hard. Ugh, it's hard, so I don't know if, if C-section is your easy. No. Yeah, remember, <laughs> it's know, still I major think, surgery. I, I know. know. I know that people say, oh, everybody has C-sections. It's like, whatever, it's still major surgery. Yeah. Choose your heart. I guess. I, know. So, I was so under yeah. the impression that giving birth naturally was more painful for some reason. But No, <laughs> I know. Girls. It just seems easier. I just cut me up. <laughs> I know. Stay <laughs> out. The amount of pain. I th- Look, after you have the baby, so the pain occurs during labor and delivery. And then after the baby's out, yeah, you have some pain, some soreness, whatever, you know? It's like you had a really long bike ride and you were sitting on that seat for too long. <laughs> Down there, you I've know? I've been there. And, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so then after that, you're done. But with C-section, remember, a C-section, the recovery is eight weeks. Yeah, I don't know about that. Versus six weeks for a vaginal. This is why I'm so contemplating kids, though. But, yeah. They're great. I love them. <laughs> I know. All right, Irene. You are now in the hot seat. Oh, wow. You are our well, second one. <laughs> We're working on these questions, okay? So it's hopefully like a you can lightning answer. round? Yes, it is a lightning round of questions oh. that you just, it's um, obviously rapid, rapid okay, fire questions. Okay, uh, so it's right. just a quick response. First thing that comes to mind, T is going to ask you these questions. T, take it away. <clears throat> just kidding. Okay. Imagine in the middle of the bit, she chokes. <laughs> Her voice squeaks. <laughs> okay, don't choke. Number one, if money were no object and you were guaranteed to be successful, what job would you do as a career? Oh, that's hard to imagine because as a social worker, I always thought I'd be broke. <laughs> and then I'm not that broke. <laughs> so this, medical, is not a bad, yeah. this is not a bad gig. You yeah. know, per diem, you know, working here and there. <laughs> You'll stick to that? I'll stick to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your favorite quality of your significant other's personality He's hilarious. He is pretty funny. He's, He's hilarious. <laughs> There's always laughter at home. <laughs> what are your thoughts on polyamory? I 
think I would not be able to do that. <laughs> Fair. What is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve, I think, is uh, people who are untrustworthy. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, compassionate, loving, and very giving. Mm. What's something everyone else loves that you secretly find overrated? Uh, I guess that I do this work. I'm like, but it's not overrated. It's just... It feels like, well, you know, remember, we're still getting paid to do this work. Mm. But then Hector says, then are you being fake? I said, no, of course oh not. God, of course I'm not being fake. I mean every word that I say. <laughs> but, yeah. What celebrity would you want to play you in a movie about your life? Uh, Rose Byrne. I feel like you that? look like her. I know who is I that. I know who that is. Okay. You. <laughs> You're not in the hot seat. No, but I feel like she looks like Rose Byrne. Who is Show Rose Byrne? Show us a picture. Google it. Well, she thinks, okay, who, who do you think, though? Oh, I see. Oh, she's a good one. Can I see? She is. She's a good one. She is like, hmm. I don't look so like she she's looks a good like one. Her. She comes out in... Uh, Neighbors yes. and uh, um, Bridesmaids, too. Yes, Bridesmaids. That's the yeah. bigger movie. I don't know. May find out you want to be Scarlett Johansson. Oh, no. Well, she's a hot babe. Who wouldn't want to be a hot babe? That's true. Right? But, but it's your question. Uh, I would do Natalie Portman. Mm. I, can I like her. What habit are you proudest of breaking? I don't know. Hector will say all my bad habits and he's not here right now. Mm. So, uh, I don't know. Next question. <laughs> what do you wish, or what is something that you wish you were really good at? Uh, I wish I could do karaoke really well. Ooh. That seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I and when I see people up there, it's like, oh, I wish I could karaoke. <laughs> What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Uh, most spontaneous thing is that we went to a ping pong show in Thailand. Ooh, how show. was that? Interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you have to say, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Uh, what's your hidden talent? Hidden talent. Uh, I don't know that I have a hidden talent. <laughs> nice I'm liking these answers. Nice answer. I, don't know if I have a talent. Am I talented? <laughs> Is it good at anything? I, I heard you're a pretty good runner. Oh yeah, I, I uh, yeah I used to run. I used to be fast. I used to be MVP four years. Oh. High school. So yeah, I guess it's a hidden talent. Oh yeah. That is a hidden talent. Mm. People don't know I was an yeah. MVP for four years. Yeah, let's say it again, uh, loud and proud. Yeah. And the last one, if past lives are real, what do you think yours was? Um, I think I was some kind of witch doctor or something. I don't know. Ooh, I like it. Witch it's doctor? Kind of answer, that is a really kind of good answer. Or something. <laughs> I'm into all that weird stuff. <laughs> all that like witchy stuff. Harry You're Potter. So maybe it's just wishful thinking. Do you believe in brujeria? No, oh, I just fair. just just the fantasy stuff. You uh, know? Like what? Give us an example. Like Harry Potter. Like right? Harry Potter. Did you guys watch The Witcher? That show. No. I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. into all that weird stuff and yeah. space. Ooh. And space. So a lot of other stuff. Well, we want to thank you, Irene, for joining us today and teaching us so many things and being so open and vulnerable about what you do. Um, we honestly are really thankful that you were able to spare some time. We know that you're a busy mama. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Of course, Ooh, anytime. You're welcome back whenever you'd like if you want to vent a little more. Anytime you want. <laughs> All right. Join us and we'll get you some cider. Okay, anytime. Cool. Um, does anybody have anything else? Yeah, thanks for joining us. It was super interesting learning something. Or a lot of new things, actually. I didn't know a lot of this. So yeah, thanks, thanks for being Always good to have another social worker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Give it up to the two social workers in the Ooh. room. Um, yeah. So we are signing off, guys. You guys have a great week. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Peace out.